Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. My name is Adam, here with the Deacon of Real Estate, Alex Deacon. Alex, my good friend, how are we doing this uh, this Monday morning, sir? We're doing fantastic, and uh, it's good to see you. It's been a little bit since we've uh, talked last. It has. We've been, had some life events going on. Congratulations, busy. sir. Yes, I had, Congratulations I had my becoming. first uh, grandbaby. It was a grandson, so... We're pretty excited about that. Smiling from ear yep, to ear. The future deacon of real estate. I like it. I like it already setting that, planting the seeds there. Yep. And you know what? We couldn't meet up this past weekend because you had another exciting meetup. Speaking of meetups, we couldn't meet up because you had your own meetup. No way. No way. Let me let me digress. I think I'm <laughs> going to start reading like uh, real estate books to my, my grandson. His name is Callan. <laughs> so instead of nursery rhymes, we'll start reading... Uh, you know, how to buy your first investment with zero money down. Get them licensed early. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what we did want to talk about, because yes. it has been so busy, and we could talk about grandchildren all day long. I hope I don't have any for at least 30 years. But this is a good segue into talking about the meetup that you just had this past weekend. We've been talking about it for the past month. We keep letting you guys know that Alex has these uh, real estate investing workshops. They're free. They're great for networking. Uh, they're great information. And this past weekend, you had your largest crowd uh, mm -hmm. to date. We did. Uh, you talked creative financing. We did, and we've talked about that before on these these uh, these podcasts. But this, I mean, we'll we'll cut it short. We'll 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 stick to the nitty gritty, and then we'll talk about the two guests that we had come in and speak, and what we discussed. And we kind of went off on a tangent too on some other topics, so we could kind of go into that. But these meetups are super helpful, and this is the first month that I've actually gotten. I mean, because we had over 40 people there, which is a lot. That's huge. And the venue's really nice. The room is just, it's a real cozy room. It's the Hampton Inn off the Bridgeville exit. Mm -hmm. And we had, uh, like I said, 40 people in the room and had a lot of good questions. And then after the meetup, I had a lot of people catch me aside after and just ask me some really good questions. They want to become clients, so they want to learn more. And I got a few emails after the fact too that that folks want to meet with me because and then I'm not I'm not doing this to brag and say that this is why we do these but this is why we do right. this yeah. we do these to network with people but we offer some really good content like there's not many groups that offer content like we offer that's free and you don't have to pay for it especially you know? guest speakers and we're not like asking Josh for Knight. anything in return mm -hmm. it's it's all about. Uh, the law of reciprocity and if we give this information usually people feel obligated and they feel like you know what I want to help Alex and Ian grow their company and I want to grow my portfolio so who else am I going to go to but the guy who's been teaching me the practical day-to-day -day, you know success ingredients on how to on a you know on a on a recipe that's going to work you know I mean I'm this is real life what I do every day and what investors that I know do every day, this is better than any book and it's better than any course that you pay for, in my, in my opinion. You can't trade experience for anything that you're going to read. And then, yeah. you know, when you hear it from the horse's mouth and when you hear it from when there's, we're talking decades of experience, yeah. you, you, that's the kind of free, you know, why pay for information that could be fabricated, it could be, it's an echo chamber when you can actually get. I mean, sometimes, and I preach this, free information is sometimes the most expensive. And what I mean by that is, oh, I got a, I got an attorney who's giving me free advice, or I got a, a mailman who's giving me free advice on investing in real estate. 
or I have an accountant who's really inexpensive and sometimes you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. In this instance, this free advice is invaluable. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to keep patting myself on the back. These are these are just cool workshops I think everybody should attend. We have a in this room we have enough room to seat 70. Wow. So, you know, we're growing at a pretty good clip. We have 413 members a part of our meetup page. So, just this year know, alone, I mean, you've Yeah, this you've year grown. alone we yeah, it's just kind of the compound effect takes place and like, you know, 1 times 2 equals mm -hmm. 2, 2 times 2 equals 4, mm -hmm. 4 Quick times. Maths. Yeah, it just it starts to, you know, it starts to propel from there. Right. So, but what we discussed was first of all we had two um, we had two speakers, Matt Beam, who's an accomplished real estate attorney, he's been doing real estate law for quite some time. And he discussed with us some of the ways of creative financing, which was the topic. He focused more on the legal side of it. You know, what's the best creative financing method for me and my entity and my certain circumstance? Because every, every situation is different. You don't want to use owner financing if you should be using a lease option. Um, you don't want to use a lease option when you should be using owner financing. What kind of owner financing is there? What's the risk of owner financing when you're the seller versus the buyer? Because risks change. How do you word the agreements when you're on the sales side, like you're selling, or when you're buying? It's different. So your attorney is representing you differently depending on if you're on the buy side or the sell side. So there's so much to know about the legal side of thing that's why I brought him in just to kind of bring us down to earth so what he talked about literally just with tip of the iceberg okay. you know, it was just the tip of the iceberg and a lot of people had emailed me after the the meetup and discussed how do I get a hold of Matt I really like his content he seemed realistic and just honest and you know knew what he was doing and then we had Josh Caldwell come in Josh runs the local North Hills RIA basically runs runs the RIA in Western PA more or less. They have a couple thousand members, I believe, or close to it, and they meet once a month in the North Hills. If you go to the RIA page, R E I A Pittsburgh, it'll come up and it'll show you when his meetings are, what uh, time, and where. But he talked about he's really really smart when it comes to creative financing. I try to keep him on point because he likes to go off on these tangents and get crazy with all the different complicated ways to do financing. I like to keep it simple. That's just the way I operate. My brain's simple. I keep it simple. And if I can't understand it in less like five minutes, I'm probably going to pass on it. And one tie-in, guys, just anybody that's listening at home, we we did one of these episodes with Josh Caldwell, uh, mm -hmm. and it was, was based that on was a long one. Yeah, it was a long one. It was based on creative financing. Um, so if you know if you couldn't make the the uh, meetup this past weekend, definitely go back. It's it's listed right here on the DHREA website. Uh, it's on Spreaker. It's on you know Apple. It's on on Google. It's you know you name it where there's a podcast, you can find it. Um, but it was a it was a long detailed. And Josh is excellent when it comes to creative financing. I mean, the man is is a brilliant brilliant human being so okay so let's just discuss I guess what what the topic was about um, the first hour I basically talked about my history in real estate and the reason I start there is like people can relate to where I came from which was basically just I was just a, a nine-to-five guy I worked as a mechanic 
So I spent about 10 minutes talking about my story and how I started and all the mistakes I made and all the mistakes I continue to make. So it, it helps the audience just relate. You know, mm -hmm. like, this guy's for real. He's screwed up many times and continues to screw up, but he learns from it. Because that's a part of learning. You can't grow without screwing up. Yes. Period. Um, talked about that. Talked about some of the initial creative deals that I did. Like my first creative deal, I did know nothing about real estate. So... I bought a three unit just conventionally, I got a loan, that type of thing. But my next deal, I think I'd read one book and I thought, well, I got the I, I mastered this. I can I can handle this. It's how to buy a house creatively and the basically the the topic was um, have the owner hold the mortgage. So it's real simple. I found an owner who's willing to sell me the property for eighty thousand dollars and he I put down eight thousand dollars <throat> and he was the bank. So essentially made payments to him every month. And I borrowed the $8,000 from a line of credit that I had. So essentially, I bought an $80,000 asset with no money down. The owner held a mortgage. And if I would have done it right, I would have paid it off in eight years. Because it was amortized over eight years. And I would own that property free and clear. But what I did was, when I didn't know what I was doing, I leveraged this property two or three times by refinancing. And at the end of the, like 10 years, I owed $100,000 on it. Instead of having it paid off in 8 years, I owed $100,000 in 10 years. Because I used that money to reinvest in other projects. Now you may look at that and think that, uh, well, that's smart. That's what you should do. It is what you should do if you know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. So I was, I was using my equity and making bad investments. So now, today, when I use equity... 80% of the time, it's a good investment. You know, 20% it's not. Where before it was 20%, it was a good, 20% of the time it was a good investment, 80% of the time it wasn't. And that's what got me into trouble really quick. So, you know, 10 years after I started in this business, not even 10, probably about 6, my portfolio was losing $50,000 a year. That's about $4,000 a month. That almost killed me. I mean, financially, it almost killed me. But I was able to. I was able to dig myself out of that. I sold some of my properties. And I was able to get it to a manageable amount. And now everything I add to my portfolio is a good is an asset. Okay. So that was the one story I told about a creative financing deal that I did. Very simple. I didn't know what I was doing, and it was very simple. And I put it together. The next one I did was a four unit in Beachview, which. Uh, the owner held a note. I think I paid sixty-five thousand for the property. I put five thousand dollars down. I paid him a mortgage payment every month. It would have been paid off in six or seven years. And the five thousand dollars down, I got from a credit card. Got a credit card with cash, you know, limit, and I put five thousand. So I essentially bought a four unit with zero money down, right? And I did. I did actually well with that. I got lucky when the, on those two investments because they were actually pretty decent but again I over leveraged myself on that and I bought a whole bunch of properties that I shouldn't have purchased okay so creative financing is a beautiful thing it's just what do you do with finding the right deal is important because when you creative when you do something creative with uh, the owner holding a mortgage it doesn't necessarily mean just because you found a property and an owner who's willing to do that that it's a good investment. Right. It just means you found a property that the owner's willing to hold financing. Right. It doesn't mean it's a good investment. Right. 
Like the so, one house I found mm-hmm. probably wasn't as good of an investment. It was just one of those where I was like, hey, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It does exactly. Point, so yeah. it, it's finding that needle in the haystack. It's not that difficult, but it is, you know, that's just a, a saying that to let you know that it's not easy. I mean, you're going to look and you're going to continue to uh, acquire properties, but to acquire a property that makes money, makes sense, and the owner's willing to hold a mortgage or a lease option where you can come to the table with literally zero money down if you could borrow the down payment, those are harder to find. But when you do find them, just think about it. If you found 10 of those this year and you had the ability to get that down payment from a credit card, from a line of credit, or using equity you have in other investment properties, mm-hmm. you essentially could buy 10 properties with zero money down. That's it's done all the time. That is unreal. Okay? You have to be patient and you have to know what a good property is and what it isn't. And then you have to obviously just ask the question, hey, Mr. Seller, are you willing to hold a mortgage? Um, this could be beneficial to you. Then you, know how, then you have to know how to sell that package to the seller and let them know why is it beneficial to them. Okay, so on the flip side, we discussed if you're a seller, so I'm selling a property, and I've sold a few properties where I've been the bank, or I've done a lease option. Mm -hmm. So on a lease option, what I do is I'll ask the buyer on a $100,000 house. Here, I'll just, I'll use one I did recently. It was a $90,000 house. Um, I asked for $3,000 down from from the tenant. Tenant gave me $3,000 down. It's probably not enough. I would not do that again. I would ask for more money. That $3,000 down is non-refundable if they decide not to purchase it. They agree to pay rent for one year or two years or three years, whatever your agreement is. They agree to pay rent. A portion of that rent, a small portion, $100, $200, will go towards the principal balance. So let's say at the end of the year they paid $200 a month. A 900 a month and 200 of that each month went to the principal balance. So that would be 200 times 12 months is $2,400. So at the end of the year, they have the $3,000 that they put down as a deposit Mm. credit towards the the purchase price, and they have $2,400. So they have $5,400 credit towards the purchase price. Then ideally, they go to a bank, they get financing. And they have this large credit that can be applied to their closing cost or a reduction in the in the purchase price, and they buy you out. They get financing and they pay you off. Okay. That's how it works. But how you want to structure those deals is different than if you're on the other side. So so if I'm a buyer, I'm gonna structure it differently. For example, if I'm the seller, I would like to see ten percent down. So the next deal I do on this on a property like this, I would want to see nine thousand dollars down okay and i would sell it for a little bit more money because the the lease option doing the lease option is a benefit to the buyer otherwise they can't buy a home so that house that might be worth ninety thousand on a lease option is worth ninety five thousand that's a that's anything i would change on the lease option if it was a uh, Owner financing, owner financing is different because on a lease option, the deed stays in my name. You're just a tenant, and I can go through an eviction process if you don't pay your rent. On owner financing, how it can work, there's so many different other ways, so don't get 
you know, don't get this um, like pigeonholed and this is the only way to do it. But a lot of basic owner financing works like this. Um, I'm the bank. You give me $9,000 down and I now give the deed to you and it's in your name. Now, mm -hmm. if you stop making payments, I have to foreclose. Okay. Just like a bank would. And foreclosures can be very expensive and very risky. So if I was going to do owner financing, I would probably want 20 or 30% down. But that would depend on who the buyer is. Is the buyer financially well off, well equipped to do this? They've done this before, they have a good track record, then my risk goes down. Okay. If the buyer's never done this before and their finances are a little shaky, then you want more money down as to, to reduce the risk. When you're on the buy side, it's the opposite, right? Right. So if you're doing, you, you come to me and say, hey, Alex, I would like to buy this $90,000 house. I would like to buy this $90,000 Okay. Uh, and this is what I want to do. So make me an offer. We would need to, so I need at least 10% down, so I probably need about no, 10. No, 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 no. You want to you negotiate. You're, you're negotiating. Negotiate. Uh-oh. So now we're putting on our You want to negotiate what's the best deal for you. Okay, so it's ninety thousand dollars. Well, I said, right now though, Alex, I, I don't have I don't have any money to put down. We're gonna have to figure out something for you know mm -hmm. to maybe go with zero money down here. So what do you what do you, options do we have? I mean, what do you think? I want I want nine thousand down. You want nine thousand down? If I could only do, if I could only do, if I could only do like seven thousand. I mean, is that okay? Let's let's do this. Let's run let's run an application. And see where you are financially. Okay. Because I might consider seven. Because if you your credit score, let's say, is just below what a bank would approve, that's awesome. Because I could get you into a loan quickly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, your credit score is six hundred. Okay. I've uh, been at my job for four years. I make four times what the rent is going to be. So if it's nine hundred dollars a month, let's say you're showing you make almost four thousand dollars a month. Right. That looks good. You've been at your job for four years. You've been renting from the same landlord for three years and never missed a payment. Every good mark makes me feel better right. and it helps reduce the risk for me. Therefore, if you said, hey, I can only put down 4000 or 7000 or 3500 I might consider it. And this is where it's But my point is you want to go in as low as possible, right? And look, I can't do any money down. I got to literally. I'll I'll do like two thousand. That's it. That's like a normal security deposit would be nine hundred dollars, right? Right. I could do a normal security deposit, and maybe in five months I'll give you an additional thousand, and I can only afford eight hundred dollars a month rent. So I only want a hundred dollar credit. My point is, you want to negotiate the absolute lowest lease risk. For you, the buyer. Right. For me, the seller, I want to negotiate the lowest risk for you. The least amount of stress in my life is possible, and that's where putting a deal together just just depends. And this is why, if anyone's listening at home, you don't want to miss these. You don't want to miss these workshops because I'll admit I, I I'm kicking myself in the backside for not being able to attend this one over the past weekend. So I did get to hear Josh Caldwell speak before, you know, briefly at, at one of your uh, the bus tour last year. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, like Josh is is unbelievably brilliant, and this is information that would be valuable to me right now because someone that's in the market and trying to to get his finances in line and stuff like that. Creative financing was something I, I, I needed to be there for, and it was upset that I had to miss it. 
So guys, this is why we're kind of going over this. Please believe that you want to be there for, for all this information. Absolutely. It's just, and you know, the questions that are answered after the fact, I, I got to, I got to meet with one gentleman who wants to get started and you know, he's new to the business and he's young and another guy just, he sat in and listened to our conversation and just, you learn a lot by just listening. So just to go back to the topic that creative financing, it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not complicated at all. In fact, it's very simple. Um, you can make it complicated <laughs> I was say. and you can make it very not simple. I like, again, I like simple. I like non-complicated because it doesn't have to be complicated, um, and it's doable. I mean, it could be done on a regular basis. You just have the ingredients all have to be there for the recipe for a successful deal is one motivated buyer or motivated seller, depending on which side you're on. If you're a buyer, then you want to find a motivated seller, right? Two, you have to find a motivated seller who can sell the property at the right price. They may be motivated, but not motivated to sell it at the right price. Three, to, this is on creative financing. Three, they have to be motivated, motivated to sell at the right price. And three, be in the position to do owner financing. Okay, their, their situation may be, look, no, I need whatever cash I have in this now so I can move on with my life because I'm moving to Florida, or I'm going here, I'm going there. I don't want mortgage payments every month. Right. I need to cash out. Right. So sometimes that can work to your benefit because you say, you know what? I can do owner financing at 90,000. Mm -hmm. I tell you what I can do, I can just give you 80 right now cash. And that owner might say, hmm, you know what? Right. Really the 80 cash is better for me now than the 90 with the owner financing. Right, okay. Okay, so it depends on their situation. You can make lemonade out of lemons if you know what you're looking at. And then four, it has to be a win-win. Both parties have to feel like they're winning. If you can have that in every deal or every transaction, whether it's owner financing or just conventional financing or cash deal, um, that number four is, is important. If number four, if, if all parties feel like they're both winning and they're getting a fair transaction, then, it, then, then the chances of that deal falling apart are a lot less. Because deals fall apart all the time because, yeah, I just did one the other day and, I, and I'm kicking myself because I was trying to get this property as low as possible, okay. right? I was. It's a, it's, you're stupid you if you don't. Yeah. And I... I procrastinated and I ended up not getting the deal because the guy did his research and realized that I was paying a lot less than what it was worth. I sh so it was so that was a win lose. Right, right. Because I could have tied him up on a contract quickly, and and if he ever wanted to back out, I would sue him and tie up that property. There's nothing he could do. Right. Wow. He'd okay. have to eventually sell it to me. Instead, I procrastinated which was number one problem, because I could have tied that property up. But two, if I would have made it a win-win situation, that deal would have stayed together, and he would have gotten a fair price, and I would have gotten a fair price. Awesome. So I guess if, if anybody can learn from my mistakes is you cannot procrastinate. Mm -hmm. I should have jumped on it. I didn't. I had too many things going on, and I literally lost easily $20,000 just like that. 
just because I procrastinated. So don't procrastinate. How about that? Has anybody ever told you that before? I think so. Yeah, I think I've heard that somewhere. Procrastinating it can cost you money. Procrastinating. I mean, that's one. You don't want to be procrastinating. <laughs> that costs you money. It's <laughs> just not it, good. But win-win and non-procrastination. You're gonna make money at some point, somewhere. Those are the money makers. Yep. Those are the money makers right there. Um, now. I know you know we talked about how how you know large the groups getting now. Um, obviously, if you go to the meetup, uh, if you go to the meetup site, meetup.com, uh, search for Alex Deacon's uh, real estate network uh, investing workshops. Mm -hmm. um, he has, I think, we're up to four hundred and what thirteen. We have four hundred thirteen members now, and it just seems to be growing exponentially now. And guys, that's a lot of like-minded individuals with a lot of information to share. Um, and you know, I, like I said, I I only attended one, and for somebody that knows nothing on real estate. I mean, it was I was like a sponge, just taking it all in. Um, and this is something that, guys, when you are an investor yourself, I, I don't know why you're not going to these. I really don't. Um, Alex, what do you know? What's on the horizon for the May meetup? Yeah, the May meetup, we're going to have uh, two guest speakers. One's going to be a contractor who has about 80 employees, which is unbelievable because having 80 contractor employees is incredible and a super challenge. I don't know how he does it. And then the other person we're going to have is an insurance specialist. And the reason I'm having both of these these gentlemen come in is to discuss how to budget for rehabs, for rentals, and for flips. And how to kind of figure out what things are going to cost, not only on the repair and rehab side, but also on the insurance side. Because you need to know on the insurance side, are you in a flood zone? Are you not in a flood zone? Are you... Is the house vacant? Do I have to have a different policy because it's vacant it's being rehabbed? How much liability should I have? How much deductible should I have? How do I keep those costs down? There's so much to know. Are you in a landslide zone? That's something that's a problem right now in Pittsburgh. Lots and lots to know. And that's why, again, you can't know everything. You just got to know kind of the important bullet points, but that's why you have to have good advisors and a good insurance person, a good contractor. A, you know, We talk about a team building, which is critical. You can't get anywhere without a team. And your meetups, I'll tell you, you know, for what it's worth, it is full of just that, that teamwork <clears throat> environment where people are sharing ideas, people are sharing information. I mean, it's, you know, like we always say, if nothing else, the networking aspect of it is, is, is invaluable mm -hmm. along, along with the information that you're getting to. So, you know, we say free guys and we always warn about free, but we're, when we're bringing in, you know, big name, you know, big name speakers and, and the deacon himself right here is, is, is as big as they get anyway. Um, you're getting a lot of information that, that is very valuable. So, well, I, I think we covered it, but thank you, and try to make the next meetup uh, go to, like you said, the uh, Alex Deacon. If you Google Alex Deacon Meetup, you will find us, and then you will have, uh, you will, you'll want to join the group, so I can put you on our email list. There we go. So, guys, make sure you're checking out and looking out for May's Meetup. Uh, be sure to check back here at dhrea.com or anywhere that you're finding out or listening to our podcast. Guys, Alex's, uh, Alex's Meetup Workshops. If you're an investor, you want to be there. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Um, you want to connect with with like-minded individuals. You want to make it happen. So, for Alex, for myself, for everyone here at Deacon Hoover Real Estate Advisors, as they say, don't don't be a realtor, be an advisor. Isn't that right, Alex? Yes. There we go. Very good. Um, guys, we appreciate you, and we will see you next time.